Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into this Friday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. It is great to be with you as always. Now, we are eight days away from the start of college football season, which means eight plus seven is 15 plus two more is 17 days away from the start of Old Misses season. So inside three weeks, well inside of three weeks. I like that that math gets easier with the countdown. Math never gets easier. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think I think we're capable of handling eight plus seven plus two. If not, we're in trouble. <laughs> we don't even have to employ the PEMDAS thing from back in the day for that one because it's all addition. The what? Remember, uh, I, now I have to try to remember what it is, but it's like parentheses. Oh, yeah, yeah, All yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, the algebra thing. Yeah, yeah. order you, of you address operations. it first. There it is. PEMDAS. We called it something else. I don't remember. Not that it matters to, <laughs> to anything that we do anymore. There much was these like things called calculators. Yeah, you know? much like everything that we learned in math back in the day, it doesn't matter in the real world yeah. and can be solved now on a cell phone, which is I, great. I remember middle school and high school teacher, oh, you're not going to have a calculator everywhere. Little did you guys know, <laughs> <laughs> literally, we will have one everywhere. But yeah, yeah, I'm not pulling out my T89 or whatever those things are anymore, but I've got a cell phone and I've got a calculator on yeah, it. Yeah, the, the big calculator that an algebra used to download games on what was the one where you had to move the blocks to you only had a certain number of moves you had to move the blocks to get over the obstacles and stuff wow i never had that that was a t983 plus or something like that (laughs) you had all kinds of games you could put on those yeah and like send messages to each other and stuff like that it was sick yeah never had that the only games that we had was trying to spell words out when you turned a calculator upside down yeah yeah but that was the only game we had on our calculator (laughs) jeez man fifth grade that's the one thing my I keep trying to tell my wife, I'm like, your son is a boy, and he's going to be a boy. So stuff like that right there. You know how stupid and immature that sounds, but I'm like, honey, I promise you, he's going to do stuff like that. Oh, no, not ours. Not if we raise him right. I said, Katie, we cannot raise him right. He is going to do stuff like that. He's going to be an idiot boy. Just like his dad was. I'm sorry. Like that. That's just how life is going to work. So a handful of things to talk with you about today. First of all, uh, you know, it's a COVID thing, but it's a good COVID thing. All right. So don't don't turn the podcast off yet. This is good. This is very good. Uh, and this is something that Keith Carter said on, on the radio show here. And we talked about it a few months ago. But we are now, like I said, inside of three weeks before the start of the season. Ole Miss plays, of course, one week later. But for now, with the cases uh, of the Delta variant surging, I mean, we had another 5,000 today in the state of Mississippi. That has not altered the plans for the Grove and for the stadium. So Nick Suss with the Clarion Ledger reporting, he must have spoken to Keith Carter recently, I assume. These are not old quotes. These are new quotes. Uh, But along the same lines of what Carter told us in other outlets this summer, Ole Miss is expecting to be at 100% capacity for football games this fall with no mask mandates or vaccine requirements or a proof of a negative test. So the Saints, you guys probably know by now, a little bit different. They are inside of a dome, but the city of New Orleans would have done this dome or no dome. Uh, You have to either A, show proof that you have taken a test and that test is negative within three days of going to the game, or you have to show proof of vaccination, which that state has an app actually on your phone that pulls the card up and they can like just 
like scan the card and move on or something. So it's not going to be as inefficient as people say it is. It doesn't matter because it's not happening here, at least not for now. And Carter, in the article Stephen cited, mostly due to the fact that the state's not requiring it. Other venues, baseball, soccer, whatever the case may be, have been doing this all summer, and none of them have been back attributed to having super spreader effects on the local uh, situation in their cities. Uh, they haven't attributed that to to those teams. So outdoor event, it's been happening all summer, and we have not seen that kind of a situation. Although cases are rising everywhere, we don't have super spreader events in Mississippi. There's no 50,000-seat stadium. You know, it, it's, it's clear that that's not the case. And they're going to push forward, at least for now. And it's too late to, to change anything. This is how it's going to be, barring the state forcing them to do it like last year. Wide open tailgating, wide open stadium. You love to see it. Right, and now it's as simple as this. If you don't feel comfortable, don't go. Don't and, go. you know, that, that's just how it's going to be moving forward. But the, you made a really good point. Mississippi has not had a 50,000-seat type of event since this started. Other states have, and their situation is really no better or no worse than Mississippi. Ours is the worst in the country. Ed, per capita is not a great thing, I know, but right now ours is the worst in the country. Right. So these other kind of sporting events, they haven't led to this incredible surge or even individual super spreader events. And some people that almost wish it would have been hoping for that ever since the Texas Rangers had full capacity. Oh, I remember the stuff that was said day. about the Rangers that day. Yeah, people th- people just kept saying, oh, just wait. You just wait for this kind of event to lead to a super spreader. But that never happened. That has happened to an extent. I'm not going to call it a super spreader event. We saw stuff like that a little bit at the Neshoba County Fair. But health officials said that didn't happen with people walking around the fairgrounds. That's 100 people cramming into some little cabin that I've been told are on yes. the, that fair. I've yeah. never been. I don't plan on going. It, it's but, tight, tight fit. Yeah. A lot of people in small spaces. Exactly. And that's much different than being outside at a football game. So that's why you're going to see them continue to push forward. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, like you said, uh, not to get down this rabbit hole today, but at this point, at this point, we know what we know about the vaccines. They are not, a, you know, it's not an impenetrable force in your body. You still can get it. But if you do, it dramatically reduces the effects it has on you if you feel any at all. That is backed by everything that we have as far as data that is accessible in the state of Mississippi and beyond in the United States. The people who have gotten the shot have an increased Unlikeliness, that's a bad way to put it, but they are more more likely to not get it. And if they do, it affects them far less than the person without. We know that for sure. There is no lack of access to them. They are available Where, wherever you are. My gosh, Oxford has like pop-up shops for vaccines right now. I mean, I think it's the Vegas Raiders are going to have one outside of their stadium. There was I, one the at Saints the ACC baseball too. tournament. Yeah, Saints uh, in their announcement regarding, I believe it was refunds and stuff like that. Yeah. But they said for fans that are coming, they're going to have 
Oshner Health or whatever that thing is, they're going to have a little tent right there, and you can sure. do it while you go to the Saints game. So they're accessible. They're available. We know they work. And at this point, like we said a few weeks ago, I think, but at this point, you know the risks if you're going to go into a crowd. You know that there, there, there are far fewer risks when you are outside anyway, but it's there. At this point, it's up to the individual to make those calls for themselves. I, I don't like how I've seen certain people. This, I saw somebody today say the state of Mississippi should stop Ole Miss and Mississippi State from doing this. No, they shouldn't. At some point, people have to make their own choices. When all the data is available that's out there, it's up to them. It's up to them. Ole Miss should not do the thing they did last year because people have to make their own choices eventually. They shouldn't do that. And by the way, if that happens, Oxford and Starkville will never look the same. I would if, be, if last year's protocols, 25%, no tailgating, happens again, people will lose their livelihoods. It will happen. And I, I know there are some counters. Well, people will lose their lives, too. That's why you get the shot. If you're afraid of, or you don't go at all, if you're afraid of getting it, don't go to the damn stadium. If you're afraid of getting it, don't go to the Grove. But if you're not, or you got the shot, go for it. That's what they're there for. I I. I Sick of people stopping those that have done the right thing from doing what they want now. Anyway, off the soapbox. And to the point of any kind of statewide stuff that would prevent that from happening, as someone whose other job it is here to sit and listen to all the different press conferences that officials have, uh, I can guarantee you that's not happening. Everything that Governor Reeves has said is that he is not issuing any more statewide mandates for anything it's a it is it officially a personal responsibility conversation moving forward and the other big stat that health officials continue to say 98 percent of mississippi's new cases are unvaccinated so, so now it's up to the indiv- yeah, it's up to the person to make the, the risks now. are known of not getting the shot the efficacy information about the vaccines is out there widely available so is the shot now it's up to it's up to everyone to yeah. make their own choices and I want to enjoy a football game again. Yeah. I want to go to a football game, be a part of a crowd, go to the Grove, do all that kind of stuff. And I've gotten vaccinated, so I plan on doing that this season. Same here. And there are thousands, tens of thousands of Ole Miss fans that feel the same. So good for Keith Carter, good for everybody involved for doing the right thing because that's the right thing to do. And uh, good for them for doing just that. Because I'm telling you, I, what we heard from people last year, that the town couldn't do that again. No They way. couldn't do it again. Re- really, very few places could survive another year like we had last year. I would not be surprised, though. I know this is uh, kind of a Debbie Downer thing. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I Actually, you know, this is probably the best course of action. I wouldn't be surprised if the players do the Walk of Champions differently in some way. Whether or not, like, they get more security or something to get the people further away from them, say no high fives or contact, or they just take buses around the outside of the Grove so fans can wave and stuff. But I don't think it's just going to go where everybody's tight in and you've got these random fans jumping in front of Momo Sonogo and like chest bumping him and stuff. I don't think it's going to go down like that. I doubt it. You know, I, I mentioned Which is okay. That's yeah, fine. I just mentioned that I plan on going back to these kind of yeah. things. 
if I'm in close contact with someone, that doesn't matter because I don't I don't need to prop up a college football program for the next two weeks after that. The players, the coaches, they will do something, I'm sure, to keep them a bit separated from the 100,000 people yeah. in the Grove. Because as Momo Sonogo said to the media the other day, he, that, you know, they asked, how did your team get to 100%? And he said, I got it in May, and it was mostly because I don't want to be the guy that cost us a game. He said, because I kept thinking... And I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I kept thinking that if we don't reach this threshold, we're going to get forced to lose a game. He's like, I don't want to do that. So if that's the mindset inside of there, they're not going to have a situation where they had a close— and you've seen some of the videos from some of these people in the Grove and what they do to the players. They're not going to have a situation where there's some kind of outbreak. In the, you know, As unlikely as this is, they trace an outbreak back to the Grove— and well, the players, they were right in these people's faces as they walked to the stadium. You got to test them all, and boom, you know, they're, they're not going to do that. So that'll be altered somewhat. Uh, I expect that to be altered somewhat, even if it's just separating the people out more. Yeah. Or the players tell- wearing masks throughout, you know, throughout the walk, something like that. Something like that. Uh, otherwise, though, good news game day will feel normal in Oxford again. Uh, before we transition to the next thing, the podcast is brought to you by absms.com, Advantage Business Systems. They service the entire state of Mississippi. It's an office technology solution company. And you can find out more. If you're a business in, in Mississippi, anywhere in the state, like I said, and you're looking for office technology solutions like copiers and printers or mail machines, voiceover IP phones, shipping systems, that kind of stuff, cloud storage, data security, they'll give you a complimentary office technology assessment. So if you're not sure if... You know, what they do fits your budget or you, you're wanting to learn more about what they offer. ABSMS.com is the website. Tell them we sent you and get a complimentary office technology assessment. Podcast also brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. I know in the Jackson area, we're getting a heat wave coming up. Uh, you know, upper 90s, real feel in the 110s. That's brutal, but that's pretty sick grilling weather. That heat wave is not hitting Oxford, though. You've got low 90s, upper 80s. I mean, we're only two hours away. How the hell does I, that happen? I told you, man. It's that Oxford bubble. It's a bubble. They somehow avoid it. It is It is absolutely a bubble. A beautiful bubble, but one nonetheless. So perfect grilling weather, and get that started at LB's. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. And let Greg do the cooking for you. Monday through Friday, they have daily lunch specials. And tell them we sent you. So Lane Kiffin talked to the the media yesterday. We'll play that for you at the end of this podcast, but you listen to it. I listen to it. Aside from a bizarre situation with Henry Parrish and the misquoting Henry Parrish and telling Lane Kiffin that Henry called him weird, and aside from that, did you hear anything that you liked or didn't like? Uh, You know, he was asked about Chance Campbell a little bit, and then Chance Campbell actually got a chance to speak after that i did not mean <laughs> nailed to do that. it nailed but it <laughs> i think that's somebody who old miss fans have been pretty eager to learn about uh yeah. his role in this defense i think he's he mentioned that he's not worried about his spot and he's been working some with the ones and twos he's going to start on day you think one so? i yeah. think so uh so i'm looking forward to hearing more about him uh tight end position got a little bit of discussion but no i think Sorry, you no, 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 no. I, I was go ahead, keep going. You're <laughs> I, on a roll. I was going to say, I think Lane Kiffin was a little more tight-lipped than he was uh, the last time he spoke, and again, that may be because of what he said after the scrimmage, and he had to kind of walk that back. So 
I, I was kind of watching for that, though. Yeah, Maybe so the, I'm reading too much into it. He mentioned Wolf, the recruit, the freshman, a uh, highly recruited player that is from Tennessee, and Tennessee wanted him and almost went in there and took him. Is it Hudson Wolf? Yes. I'm having a brain fart. Uh, mentioned he was as healthy as he's been so far since he's been with them. So it may not still be right away that they use him. And I had somebody ask me about that. You know, why are they keeping him in the black, no-contact uniform? Why is he not practicing much? I said, because what's more important to the program, to Lane Kiffin, to everybody, is having him walk across the stage on draft day in a few years than not be fully comfortable, 100% ready, walking off the field in Atlanta. So if it means they're overprotective, Especially, it was a back injury, right? I thought it was a knee, but I'm don't go off of what I, I said. I should on this know one. this off my head. It's embarrassing that I don't. Um, but either way, if he's got an injury and he is not fully 100, then don't force it. You don't have to. He's a true freshman. You don't have to. They think that he's an NFL player, like that good. His upside is apparently unreal, and at, they really believe that at six six two forty. He could be. They think he's an NFL tight end. And so if you think you've got that in your program now, you want to be able to recruit the next one, right? So right now, you've got other options. They're not great options, but you've got other ones. Not as talented, but other ones. In the meantime, it's okay that they're being overprotective if that is in fact what they're doing. Now, I don't know because I'm not in the program, but I had somebody ask me, why are they protecting him so much or why are they not forcing him back? Because you don't do that. You don't have to do that, I guess is what I should say. If you think he's as good as he is, it's okay that you're not rushing him back to get him ready for Louisville, who you should beat with or without a true freshman tight end. Right. This is not your starting quarterback here that we're talking about. This is one of several tight ends that are likely going to contribute to this team this year. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if Casey Kelly's available. Chase Rogers is an interesting guy. Uh, uh, Kiffin mentioned him specifically. Uh, He's a guy that played at uh, Billy Napier's Louisiana Raging Cajuns and transferred to Ole Miss, and sounds like now's his time. Now's his time to step up, and uh, Kiffin mentioned him specifically, and he was asked about him, and uh, we'll see what he's able to do in week one. Yeah, didn't play a whole lot last year at all. Did some special team stuff, I think. Yeah, Yeboah being there kind of stepped him down a notch until the bowl game, really, although maybe that should have happened sooner. But... When he was asked about Matt Corral, and shout out to David Johnson, by the way, for recognizing it. He said, and I appreciate this, the self-awareness is really cool. He said, you know, we haven't really asked about him a whole lot because, you know, we just assume he's great. But what have you seen from Matt Corral? And I thought, yes. He even said the phrase, take him for granted. I was like, David's listening to this, although he's probably not. Um, Lane Kiffin said at one point in practice, he it was like a video game that all he was doing was pressing a button on a controller and the ball was just getting in the perfect spot. That That's how he felt like Matt Corral was practicing right now, that it's like a cheat code. I mean, I guess we kind of figured that'd be the case, but hearing that from Lane Kiffin, who doesn't say, forgive my language, he doesn't say shit about anything. He doesn't. He doesn't tell you anything. Nobody's ever good. Nobody's ever bad. It's just, yeah, they're, they're okay. Somebody you know? asked him specifically, hey, coach, you just wrapped up practice. Can you highlight one position group? And he just said, I, I can't tell you about that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so. so when a guy that's that answers things like that says that about your quarterback, I mean, you've got to be really excited about that, right? 
I mean, just hearing that out loud is crazy. Yeah, and I Lane always, Kiffin of all people, think about right. who he's coached in his life to say that about his quarterback now. And I always go back to this example. This is not someone that is brand new that we have not seen on the field before. We know that that is an accurate statement when you watch Matt Corral play at his highest level, that that is a yep. possibility. This is not Bryce Young, who we've seen for two total quarters, basically, of game action. Yep. This is so much different than that. Very different. Speaking of different, and this is the last thing that we have for you before we'll uh, play that Lane Kiffin audio for you and wrap up the weekend, Jalen Cunningham, switching positions, offensive line, uh, I told you a few weeks ago, and if you guys have seen any practice pictures, it is true. He ha- has really changed his body. He really looks good. Uh, there there was some narrative about, not narrative, because narrative has a negative connotation. There was talk about how he'll never you know, crack the rotation and see playing time until he gets in shape. And when you looked at him, I, I mean this with all due respect, he was out of shape. That he did not look like an SEC offensive lineman. He looked overweight. Changed his body. Looks good. But I guess for one reason or another, and we can, we'll can we talk about it here, obviously, they're moving him over to defensive tackle. And they're going to give him a shot there. If I remember correctly, that's what he was in recruiting anyway. And they moved him over to offensive line, and that's what he's done since he's been to Ole Miss. But now the other side of the ball for the slimmer and trimmer, although still pretty massive <laughs> in a good way, Jalen Cunningham now on the defensive line for Ole Miss. Yeah, and we mentioned that kind of body transformation a couple weeks back, and I guess maybe it was all working towards this move. You wonder if maybe the coaches told him, hey, why don't you get a little leaner, a little quicker, and we're going to see what you can do on the defensive line, a position of need for Ole Miss where the offensive line really has a good amount of depth heading into this season. So maybe – Obviously, playing time is what he's after, and coaches want to put him in the best decision or best place to do that. So that's probably why they made this decision. Yeah, I'm curious about what. It, again, I'm not there. I don't. I don't get to see practice, and even if I did, I wouldn't know what I'm looking at compared to the coaches. It can be looked at it one of two ways. A, if you're an optimist, offensive line depth is so good that they didn't need him. Or B, defensive tackle depth is so bad that they needed him. Which one? <laughs> which way do you want to? Which way you want to look at it? Are they so bad on the defensive line that they needed to move him over, or are they so good on the offensive line that they didn't need him to be a depth piece that he was going to be this season? Not a starter, maybe not even playing that much. But um, I have heard they feel really good about the first five on the offensive line and a couple of. Depth pieces, they feel really good about like seven or seven ish guys on the offensive line. I have also heard that the defensive tackles, aside from a couple, have left a whole lot to be desired in camp. Malone's not really practicing yet, not in a full capacity. And one of the two junior college guys has really shined, but the other maybe not so much. Again, this is just hearsay. I'm not there, so I don't know if this is accurate or not. But it sounds like it might be more of a necessity move than a didn't-need-him move. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. It just one position group seems to be, at least according to the people I talk to, outperforming the other. And that's probably where this move came from. I'm usually more of a glass-half-empty kind of guy. I know that would shock a lot of people that know me. Um, But... 
I, I probably would tend to believe that as well, that this defense needs this much help where they're looking kind of for all the help that they can get. We saw that at this time last year. That was kind of a COVID reason, but we saw Miles Battle and Tylen Knight move over to the defensive side That's of where the they ball. always should have been in hindsight. That too. But they they were moved in out of necessity. So I, I think that's probably what's going on here as well. Yeah, and you'll hear Lane in a second. Um, he talks about how he's he's good with the ones on defense, but he keeps mentioning depth. He's done that a few times. And, and that's the key here. While we talked about, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, that they have changed the defense as far as who will be starting on it. Mostly Kiffin guys, they'll look differently. But you don't reshape a defense in a year. So there are going to be holes in a defense that was filled with holes a year ago. They have fixed a lot of stuff, and the starters apparently are performing well and look good. But your twos and threes are still going to be guys that were recruited by inadequate staffs and played on the second-worst defense in SEC football history last year. So... I think he keeps saying that word depth for a reason. They probably don't have much of it, especially up front. Secondary, they might. More than might. They probably do. A lot of young guys, but still, the depth of talent in the secondary is better than it's been in years. Linebacker, it feels like they have some depth, although maybe not the high-end talent that you're really looking for. Defensive tackle, there's no depth at least any bit of proven or any experienced, my gosh, you need a junior college transfer to start and be good right away. Right but, away. Yeah, that's a position that, man, really going back to 2015 probably has not been heavily recruited at Ole Miss or at least successfully recruited yeah. for Ole Miss. And you're seeing that now based on the guys that are getting immediate playing time. And if these two junior college guys don't, flash really to begin the season I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw last season where teams could pretty efficiently and effectively just push Ole Miss defensive linemen off the ball by three yards every play all they need to do is be better though just be better better that's all they don't have to be great I, I had somebody ask us on the radio show yesterday you know it, it, I can't remember the exact question because it was worded terribly but it was basically like the defense is still going to be bad, so they're going to have the same season. And I thought, well, that's not exactly the case. Because a bad defense ranks 80th in total defense in college football. It's an improvement of 20 spots, or 40 spots, excuse me. If they're 40 spots better, they're an 8-4 and four football team. That's Every time I hear Seriously. that part of it, that they really were that bad and statistically that bad, it's, it's hard to imagine a team in the SEC being that bad. And so it's really hard to imagine that they would be that bad two years in a row. Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, here's your Max Kellerman take of the day. If Ole Miss improves 40 spots in total defense, they will win eight games or more. 40 spots or more, they'll win eight games or more. And here's the eight. It's, it's Louisville, it's Austin P, Tulane, Liberty. There's four. Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Mississippi State and a combination of one more upset they'll get to they'll get there to 8 if they improve 40 spots or more on defense. They can still be a bad defense and win games and a lot of them relatively speaking this season. They don't need to be good. They just need to be better. That's it.
Just it's better. It's better than a Max Kellerman take, who, by the way, is getting taken off first take. Do you see that? Yeah, they're, they're putting him on the radio in the morning because mm-hmm. they keep rotating their radio lineup like nobody's ever seen. Because that's what that's what you do when you have a struggling radio lineup is keep switching it over and over and over again. With the same people from right, a yeah. different show that people aren't watching. <laughs> it, I mean, it takes... You need to give radio shows like that like two years before you start really judging how successful they are. And they just keep rotating every six months or so. It's a joke. That's why Fox is killing them right now on radio. Just killing them. It's the same people. It's the same people. Yeah. Continuity means something sometimes anyway. (laughs) Anything else Ole Miss-wise that we have missed over uh, the last couple of days that we didn't get to today? I don't think so. I think we've we've done a pretty solid job of of hitting all of it, which is a nice commercial here for the podcast, saying that we touched on everything because we're great. Uh, Just for what it's worth, take this into your weekend. This is the last weekend without meaningful football until the third week of February. Man, that's exciting. The last weekend without football that counts until the third week of February. Then... There's well, a, wait, that's a lie, because there's that week in between. Uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. that off week before the Super Bowl. But that doesn't count, because you still you, have the Super Bowl to play. So it yeah. doesn't feel like that's an off week. Exactly. You're, you're still consumed by it. Yep. The, this next time period of when we have football constantly, it's just better. It's Honestly, so much better. there's so much nonsense going on in the world right now. There was this same stuff going on last year. But whenever you have football to distract you from whatever stuff goes on from a day-to-day basis, just better. You know that starting on Thursday, your week is pretty much over, and you've just got football to watch all the way through. Until Monday. Yep. Yeah. You only really suffer two days of the week. Yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday. That's it. That's all we have to suffer through. Love it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. Good news as far as uh, going to games this year. If you were on the fence, I know some people were, there you go. You can go ahead and pull the trigger now. Y'all have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Chance Campbell, how's he fit in? What's he brought to the linebacker's room? What have you seen from him so far? Well, he has experience playing the position, playing in games. Um, he's done a really good, good job picking up the system. Um, there's some carry over there for him from <clears throat> being with DJ earlier. Um, so he's done a really good job, and I feel like he's fitting well with the players too. Lane, has there been any uh, further separation in the number two quarterback battle in your eyes? No. Um, continue to <clears throat> do good things, both of them, and feel really good about their development. Lane, can you talk about what, what you saw in practice today and if anyone stood out or position group? Um, I don't know that. Um, I can say, you know, lately in practice, the defense has, um, since the weekend, has done um, a good job the last two practices. Um, so that's good. Had more turnovers, um, getting more balls out, and limiting explosive plays. So uh, that's been good to see. We're not talking about him a whole lot because he's just, we just kind of take him for granted and it's a given. But can you assess Matt Corral right now versus where he was last year at this time? Uh, I think a big difference. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, rat poison him, but 
Uh, he's done a great job from a leadership standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, and the guy's accuracy is, you know, was <clears throat> was almost I think I said insane today. Um, some of the throws that were made, and you know, it was at one point like a video game where you know you just there's not inaccurate throws. He just throws it to the guy because you hit the button. So good to see. You know, I got to continue to develop and you know do it on game days. Lane, just overall, all aspects of, of the team, are you where you would like to be at this point in camp for a progression toward your first game? I think in some areas. Um, I think with the ones in general, both sides, um, there's some things to feel good about, you know, close to game type ready. Um, but both sides, there's very little depth that – I would feel good about today if we were playing a game. So whether that's older guys can get more experience, whether that's younger guys just getting used to it, um, we need guys to step up so, you know, we don't get in a situation where, you know, we got no rotations that we feel good about and guys are overplaying. How far along are um, Jerry on and Henry in their kind of learning the slot? Um, they don't do everything. You know, they just do a limited package, and um, both of them have a good skill set to do that. And so we feel good about um, their development, and I think a lot of that had to do with the spring ball and being around them more where we can, you know, look at some things that, you know, does not regress their learning of day one stuff, of playing running back. We had Henry Parrish in here. Uh, a couple days ago, and he said, and I quote, everybody thinks he's weird, and that was uh, in in regards to you. I'm curious, and he said it in a, a, a funny way. I'm curious, do you consider yourself weird, and who would you say is the weirdest person on the team? Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, I'm not really sure how you say someone's weird in a funny way, and it's a compliment, or, but... Um, who do I think is weird on I think Henry's weird on the team. Um, you know, so, but I mean that in a funny, nice way. Lane, one of the uh, positions that looked unsettled heading into fall camp was the tight end position. Um, we're going to talk to Chase Rogers here in a minute. How does Chase check the boxes on what you're looking for at that position? Well, Chase, uh, has missed part of camp and has been limited for part of it injury-wise. And so um, he seems to be back close to full strength now. Had a really good day um, today. Scored a touchdown in the red zone there. So, um, you know, he's done a really good job and, you know, really does everything pretty well. I think I know the answer here, but do you have an update on Tavius? I haven't seen him out there for a little while. Yeah, we expect him to be fine. He's um, still limited. Just a follow-up to the tight end question. Um, you know, none of these guys look like Kenny Yaboa exactly. So, you know, th does that alter the way that uh, maybe you, you look for production out of that position this season or things that you would do with that position? Well, I don't know. I think we got some very different guys. Um, Hudson Wolf now, um, you know, is the healthiest that he's been. You know, has done some – Good things the last couple of days and a very big target. So, 
Um, I don't know who's going to play there, and probably who plays will based off what calls that we make. You know, I like to say on our offense that you know we don't have a system that you know the players have to fit into. You know, we find the best players and develop a system into them. Momo was talking the other day about just how bizarre the empty stadiums were last year. When you think back to last year, what kind of stands out about playing in those stadiums with lessened capacity, or I guess in the case of Vanderbilt, a completely empty game? I think it was, for a coach, it was eerie in warm-ups, and as you got closer, and then once the game starts, you have a headset on, so you don't really realize it. I don't, the players, it's probably a lot different. You know, they realize it throughout the game. I really don't once the game's going, so... Um, you know, except for not worrying about crowd noise and atmosphere and, you know, like going to Baton Rouge, you know, which would usually be an issue. Other than that, I really didn't notice once the game started. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.